you grateful that you're saved? Come on, come on. Man, I got to tell you, I don't know where this is going to go, but this morning I was praying and just prepping, and I felt the Lord tell me to write down one word at the very beginning of my message. You want to guess what that is? I just leaned over and told Lorie just a minute ago. I said, you want to guess what it is? She smiled. She said, hope. I said, yeah. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to stir you to believe again, to hope again, to know that God is not finished with your life. If I could look around this room and catch every one of your eyes, I want you to know that I'm talking to you. God has a plan for you. And guess what? Your life, I know you may think that the plan and purpose of God has been expired. My friend, your pulse is proof that you still have a purpose. Amen. He has a great purpose for your life. And so many people have given up hope. I was watching a video clip. Honestly, I don't know who it was that sent it to me. It was just a little snippet. But in this clip, they took eight mice and dropped them in the water. And they swam for 15 minutes until they started to drown. And then they pulled the mice out and rescued them. Then they went a little later, put the mice back in the water, and they began to swim again. Anyone seen the video clip I'm talking about? Well, then you can't answer, but for those of you, how long do you think it took before they started to drown again? Hmm? Huh? You ready for this? 60 hours. It went from 15 minutes to 60 hours, and the thing that they concluded from it was that they believed that those mice, that they believed that they would be saved, so they kept fighting. They kept swimming. Hope is a powerful thing. And you and I, we have hope. The world doesn't have hope. You see, the world is drowning. They're drowning in life. They're drowning in parenting. They're drowning in their marriage. They're drowning in their finances. But you and I, we have hope. And watch this. Surely your God will come through. You may have to swim for a little while. You may have to face a few difficult things. But surely your God will come through. Your God will rescue you. God will not abandon his righteous ones. You've got to trust him, church. You've got to believe that he is who he said that he will be. We serve a God of hope. And I pray this morning that your hope is just renewed, that it is revived. I pray for revival of hope in this place. See, whenever you have hope, you can face anything. It doesn't matter what comes against you. You can have a doctor's report that says you got cancer, but you can overcome it because you got hope and you know that your God will come through. I'm testifying just for a minute because I just walked through it six months ago and my God came through. And if he did it for me, he's no respecter of persons. He will do it for you. You've just got to trust him. You've just got to believe him. You've got to have faith. I pray that today God will stir your faith. I pray today that he will cause you to believe again, to know that he is not finished with you, ma'am. He's not finished with you, sir. 
I don't care how old you are. God's got great things in front of you. The best is yet to come. I prophetically declare it. Some of you grab a hold of that word right now. The best is yet to come. Elton, I'm talking to you right now. Donna, the best is yet to come. Cheryl, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I'm telling you, God is doing his work in our lives. All we've got to do is just sit back. I don't know how many of y'all surf. I love surfing. Went to Hawaii about a month ago, and it was so much fun. Man, you just ride the wave. Just ride the wave of God's spirit and just let him do that thing in your life. Are you hearing me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you are so faithful, Lord. You're faithful, Lord God. God, we know that, Lord, just as, as Christian prayed, Lord, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And, God, we know that, Lord, oftentimes the crosses that we have to bear, Lord, the joy comes on the other side of that. But, Father, we thank you that your word says joy comes in the morning. We thank you, Lord God, that the things that we're facing, Lord, Lord, there's no period. There's only a comma. Our story is still being written. And we thank you, Lord, that you will be faithful to complete the work that you began in our life. And so, God, I ask today that hope would be restored in the hearts of your people to know that, God, you are who you said you are. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You won't let us drown, God. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your faith your love. God, I pray now, Lord, that you would just position our hearts to receive your word. I pray, Father, that I'm able to communicate it, God, with power, conviction, with anointing. I pray the Lord, I would speak as the very words of God, and I pray, Lord, that your people would have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the body of Christ. Have your way in this place. Precious Holy Spirit, thank you. We stand against the principalities, the rulers of darkness. We stand against every tactic of the devil that he has planned against Destiny Church and the people of Destiny Church. We call the, the, the plans of the devil void, kneel, and dead in Jesus' name. But we pray today, your kingdom come, your will be done in this place and in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name. All of God's church says... Amen. Amen. Y'all better give me some amens this morning. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm needing some amens. I'm needing some so be it's this morning to declare God's word. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the worship team for their, thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. We love you guys. Thankful that you lead us into the presence of God. It certainly makes what I do much easier when I get up here. So thank you so much. If you're just joining us, we're been on a series called Marked, and man, I've enjoyed this series. I think that today will be the eighth installment of this series, as well as the continuation of our message from last week. And just to give you a little bit of recap, for those of you that may not have been here, um, we looked at two men in particular, King Rehoboam, who was the son of King Solomon and the grandson of King David. And then we looked at King Jeroboam, who <clears throat> excuse me, started out as a foreman of sorts under King Solomon, but then stood up against Solomon because of his idolatry and the way that he had treated his people. Now, Rehoboam took over uh, for his father once his father died, which led to Jeroboam then trying to make amends with him. 
Only Rehoboam had rejected his offer as well as rejecting the counsel of the elders. And, of course, we talked about this last week whenever Rehoboam went to the elders and the elders told him to lighten the load on the people. And then he went and listened to the younger folks who says, no, go ahead and keep hammering down. And they listened to the younger people rather than the old people. And I just want to highlight once again the importance of us listening to those that have gone before us and listening to our elders. We're foolish when we don't listen to the wisdom of the counsel of the many, especially when it comes to our elders. Amen? So Rehoboam's choice, it led to the dividing of the kingdom. Ten of the twelve tribes... They left him in order to make Jeroboam their king. Throughout this story, we see a constant up and down of these men, of both obeying and disobeying God. And we get the benefit of seeing what their lives looked like when they obeyed and what their lives looked like when they disobeyed. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so extremely grateful that God gives us the vantage point that we can read about those who have gone before us. You see, guys, all these stories that we read about in the Bible, these were written on purpose. I mean, it's not just so that we could gain some historical information. But Paul gives us the purpose of these written accounts and these stories in the book of Romans 15 and verse 4, when he said, for everything that was written in the past, everything, That means there's a lesson to be learned there. If it's in your Bible, even when it comes to the begats, there's something that God wants to teach through that. I can promise you. I don't know what it is, but it's in there. (laughs) For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scripture and the encouragement they provide, how about this? We may have, oh, there's that word again, hope. (laughs) See, when the scripture says everything that was written in the past was to teach us. This word teach in the original Greek, it's the same word that we also translate as doctrine. And a doctrine is simply defined as a principle by which we live our life. You see, all the principles that we need to live a godly life can be found in the scriptures. For example, if you want to know how to handle money, God's word speaks to that. If you want to know how to handle a relationship, God's word speaks to that too. If you want to know how to best parent, or I'm sorry, uh, raise your children as parents, once again, God's word instructs us in all these things. And can I say, I love that God's word speaks to where we live. Because these stories, they contain lessons that are just as applicable today to someone who would have read them a couple thousand years ago. And we talked a little bit about that last week, right? Whenever we discussed uh, the, the topics that most young people are dealing with today. And we found that they're the same things, same issues that people were dealing with 20 years ago, 50 years ago, and a couple hundred or a couple thousand years ago. And so I want us to pick up where we left off in 1 Kings chapter 13. So turn with me in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 13. And as you're turning there, let me just recall where we left off. If you remember, King Jeroboam had built two golden calves, and he was leading the people in idolatry. But then an unnamed man of God came and prophesied against him. 
which the king didn't like, and it caused the king then to stretch out his hand against the man of God. And as a result of that action, the king's hand, it withdrew or it dried up. But then the king repented and his hand was restored, which I think is a great picture of what God will do in our lives if we are willing to admit our sin and repent of it. Now let's read in 1 Kings 13, we're going to read verses 7 through 10. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord. Pay attention to that. It says, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way that he had come to Bethel. Now, I want us to just consider what we've read right here. This unmanned or unnamed man of God, he does this kind deed for the king. He asked God to restore his hand, and his hand was restored. And I think that there's a lesson for us to see here, in that Jeroboam, he deserved what he did. Not only that, but it could have been much worse. I mean, there are several other places in the Bible where people did far less and suffered a much greater consequence. Like you remember the two young men that were uh, picking on uh, Elijah, Elisha rather, and for being bald, and then two bears jumped out and killed them? Yes, that's in your Bible. <laughs> it's an interesting book. You should read it sometime. <laughs> now, if you remember in the story from last week, the king asked the man of God to go to God on his behalf and asked him to undo the thing that had been done to him. Now watch this. This man of God could have said no. You sleep in the bed that you made. But he didn't. This particular lesson really hit me because I can think of times when people came and did things to me, attacked me, when all I was doing was obeying God. And whenever the table turned on them, the first thing that came to my mind wasn't to bless them. Hello? <laughs> but church, even when we're mistreated for doing the right thing, hear me on this, God never condones us celebrating someone else's affliction. If you find yourselves happy about someone else's calamity, your heart is wrong. Even if that person brought about what happened to them through their bad choices. Are, are, are you hearing me? I mean, consider Jesus and how he responded to those who made bad choices. Like he didn't join the mob and stoning the woman who was caught in adultery. And he didn't Avoid the tax collectors or the Samaritans like the Pharisees did, but rather he engaged with them in conversation. Or how about this? Jesus didn't say to the thief on the cross, you're getting what you deserved. And for that matter, he didn't condemn mankind when we put him on the cross, but he rather said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You see, Jesus taught us to show mercy. And can I just tell you why you need to show mercy? Because you need mercy. I need mercy. Mercy means that our mistakes 
are not held against us. And I can promise you that every person in this room has made mistakes. Not only that, but you got mistakes that you've yet to get around to. Are you with me? And you're going to need God's mercy. Like there's going to be times when you're going to blow it and you're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. There's going to be times that you're going to say things that you shouldn't say. There'll be times that you'll have thoughts that you shouldn't have. At times, you're going to allow your pride to show its ugly head. At times, you're going to make selfish choices that benefit you at the expense of others. And when those times come, I promise you that you will want God's mercy. Micah 6, 8, one of my favorite scriptures says, he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to, there it is again, love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You say, well, I do love mercy, Pastor. Well, that's not talking about loving mercy when we receive it. Of course, you really love that, right? But in context, God is saying love showing mercy. Hey, can you imagine what our world would look like if we shown mercy to one another? Well, can I just tell you this? Unbelievers aren't going to be the ones to set the trend. It's going to be the church of Jesus Christ that shines bright, his love and mercy that breaks the current trend of kicking people whenever they're down or rubbing their mistakes in their face. I don't know how many of you guys received this in the mail uh, this week, but I just got the notification um, that election primaries are coming up, which means uh, that this is going to be an election year. Now, I'm 46 years old, <clears throat> not as old as some of you, but um, I am older than others, been around for a while, and I've observed that with each election cycle, they sling more mud, more insults, and they bring up past mistakes that were made 20, 30, and even 40 years ago. The one thing that we never see is mercy. I mean, could you just imagine a politician saying this of his opponent? He goes, well, I don't hold that against him or her. I mean, that was 20 years ago. We've all made mistakes and we've all grown as a result. I mean, that statement would be unheard of, right? But watch how both parties go and throw millions of dollars smearing the other person over a mistake they've made in their past. Hey, I'm glad I'm not a politician. <laughs> Come on, because I'm not perfect, all right? Now, you may say, well, pastor, that's just not possible in politics or in the business world. Well, I believe that God's mercy is applicable in every area of our life. Notice that in the story that we're reading about uh, this morning, it involved what? Government. It was King Jeroboam leading the people astray and him trying to harm the man of God. Again, I love that this man of God showed mercy when he could have done the opposite. He could have easily done the opposite, which leads me to this thought. Sometimes we have to operate in faith when we show mercy. We have to trust that as we do as God has called us to do, God will be glorified through it. Not only that, but as we give mercy, then we become the recipients of mercy. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. You see, there's a blessing that comes, church, when, when we're merciful. So here's a question that I have to ask. What if we have been missing out on a blessing simply because we've been unwilling to show mercy to others? Like what if you've been experiencing uh, the blessing of a possible great friendship simply because you refuse to offer mercy? You say, but you don't understand, Pastor. This person has, has wronged me. No, I get it. Believe me, if anyone gets it, pastors do. <laughs> but that's the whole point of mercy. We're to give it to those who don't deserve it. And as a result, God blesses us in ways that only God can. Now, I want us to transition to something this morning that God uh, highlighted to me in the story. In our story, it mentions this man of God on several occasions, but it never mentions his name. Now, I don't think it's because the writer didn't know it, but I think that it was left out on purpose. And we may never know the exact purpose, but I can't help if there's not a lesson for us to learn in this also. See, this man, he never received credit for what he had done. And I find it interesting that God told him that he couldn't receive anything from anyone while he was there. Now, we can only speculate as to why God asked this. I mean, I don't know, perhaps this man of God had a tendency to want to receive credit. And God, knowing that about him, said that he was not to receive anything for the work that God wanted to do through him. Which causes me to ask this question. What things in our life do we do for God, but we take credit for? Now, this is a hard question to ask, and it's one that you won't just find right on the surface because it requires us searching our heart, much like David would often pray when he would say, Lord, search the intentions of my heart. I remember a specific instance in my life where I had become guilty of this very thing. It was about 20 years ago, and Jody and I, had worked at this church for a little less than a year as the youth pastors, and we were treated horribly uh, during our time there. Uh, you hear me mention it from time to time. I don't get into the details much, but um, I'll, I've often told people about that experience and about how we would uh, work sometimes 12 to 14 hours a day. It was demanded of us. And... Um, and, and usually was working seven days a week. And I would also tell of how, and, and as if I was, you know, just, man, how ungrateful were they? We came in, and for our nine months there, we, we took that youth group from 60 to 200 in less than a year. And, and I said that several times until one day my heart was convicted. Um, I know that, may, that statement may not sound wrong on the surface, but let me ask it this way. Who took that youth group from 60 to 200 in less than a year? Like, was it me? I'm not that good, right? I mean, I've not done that in our church yet, right? I mean, so, like, <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> but it's true. But um, so who was? It was God. Yeah, see, I was receiving glory for what I should have been giving glory to God for. Now, here's where I want us to dial in church, because this is a powerful lesson from the things that we do for God. And this is a critical le lesson, I feel like, for Christian leaders as well. See, most believers, they want to serve God. They want to do things for God, but this is where their approach often is wrong. 
They think that they just need to do more for God. But for many Christians, it's not that they need to do more. They just need to have a change of heart in what they're already doing. I'm talking about the person who always needs uh, to be recognized for the things that they do for the Lord. I'm not saying that recognition's wrong. Are you, you hearing me? Matter of fact, the Bible is, even says that we're, we're to give uh, honor where honor is due, right? So there is a place for that. But if you don't ever receive approval from man, is approval from God enough? Like if you don't ever get recognized by man, are you going to stop doing what you're doing? And if you do, then who were you doing it for to start with? You've heard the phrase, though none go with me. Still, I will follow. Well, how about this? Though none recognize me, still I will follow. Church, today's message is a call to step into maturity. Listen, I raised three kids, and so I know what it's like to hear, Daddy, watch me, watch me. And that's fine because they were children. But the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Church, it's time for us to become the men and women that God has called us to be. Amen? Now let's look back at our story. So Jeroboam, he's shown mercy. Then the Bible says that the king invited him to come to his house, and he wanted to give the man of God a reward. Now pause on this thought right here for, for just a second. This was a kind thing that Jeroboam was offering to this man. As a matter of fact, if someone blesses you and you have the ability to bless them in return, then I think that you should. I believe that God does bless us in order that we can be a blessing to others. Agreed? Only God had already told this man that he wasn't to receive anything from anyone. And we hear the conviction in his words when he says to the king, even if you were to give me half of your house, I wouldn't come with you because God told me not to. This is what I like to call a fasted lifestyle. So I'm not going to grab a hold of this because this is really just for the mature in Christ. But it's saying no to things that others may be allowed to say yes to, but you can't because you're marked and you're called by God. See, this is difficult for so many believers because what we want to do is we want to look at those around us and say, well, but they're doing it, so it must be okay. But there are some things that others can do that you can't. Like, for example, and I'll give you just one illustration from my life. I can't watch horror movies. Jody and I have not watched a horror movie in Probably 25 years, right? Pretty much our, our whole time married. I just simply can't do it. Now, I'm not condemning you if you do. Uh, that's between you and God. I'm just saying that I can't. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things uh, that in my life I can't do. But I found that the things that God has called me to lay down, it's because they're not propelling me toward my purpose, which is what it's kind of in line with what Paul said when he said all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things uh, build up. One translation says not all things are, I love this in the King James Version, expedient. 
In other words, there's going to be things in your life that you could do. But it's not going to expedite your purpose. As a matter of fact, I found that there are some things that will actually slow down the plan and the purpose of your God. It will turn that 10-day journey into a 40-year journey. Children of Israel, are you with me? And so in our story today, we see this man stands strong in what God told him not to do. But sadly, the story doesn't end there. Don't you love that there are stories in the Bible, real-life stories, that they just don't have a, a red, pretty bow? Because, you know, I can relate to that in my life. Because in my life, there's not everything that always has a pretty red bow on it. Hello? 1 Kings 13, 11 through 18 says, Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. So this old prophet knows what went down. Their father asked him, which way did he go? And his son showed him, showed him the road which the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And when he saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. And he found him sitting under an oak tree, and he asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, You must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I, too, am a prophet, as you are. And an angel said to me, by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. Let's stop there for a minute. Now, I got to tell you, whenever I read this passage of Scripture here for the very first time, <clears throat> I was, like, sure I must have been reading it wrong, Right? Because how could this old prophet lie? And not lie about just any old thing, but he lied saying that an angel spoke to him by the word of the Lord. Now, scholars, they offer all kinds of explanations as to how or why this happened. But I just want to just highlight two simple thoughts. First is to remember that the prophetic gift might coexist with various degrees of moral imperfection in the person possessing it. That's so good. I mean, why do you think that there was a school of the prophets in the Old Testament? That meant, you know, no one passed it with a 4.0. Are you with me? And that's true of today as well. Like, I mean, Balaam, there's another example that we see in the Scripture. And the second thought is this. It's that we must never go against what God's written word says or against what God has already clearly spoken to our hearts. Because disobedience, church, it comes with a stiff price, as you'll see here later on with this young prophet. And I think this is a good place for us to address something that I think needs addressing in the body of Christ, and that is that God will never, ever speak something that contradicts his word. If you hear something that contradicts his word, that's not God. Remember, the very first lie that was ever told by Satan was her uh, causing Eve to question what God said, which, by the way, is still the same tactic that he uses today. 
But now here's what stood out to me and I think that needs highlighting. Remember that this man of God, he had no problem standing up against the king and obeying God. It wasn't until this old prophet from Bethel came that he questioned what God told him. You see, the devil knows not only how, but also who is a weakness in your life. That's the reason the scriptures speak so clearly as to who we're to associate and not associate with. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived. In other words, he's saying, guys, there's a deception that comes when you surround yourself with the wrong people. It goes on to say, bad company ruins good morals. And so we've got to be wise and discerning about who is bad for our lives. As a matter of fact, I believe with all my heart that there are some of you here this morning that you need to cut some relationship ties that you have. That's not saying that those people are bad people either. That's just saying that they're bad for you. That's a difference. Are you with me? I've had to do this very thing myself, and I'm a pastor. <laughs> now, are you with me? Now, if you don't think that that's um, right, you think that's a little extreme, then can I just share with you what Jesus said in Matthew 5.30? Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, to cut it off and throw it away, all right? And you may say, but Chris, how's cutting off a relationship? How is that loving? Well, there are some people in your life that you just need to love them from a distance. Are you with me? And this is where it can get difficult because, see, we've got to take serious inventory. Take serious inventory of the relationships that are in our life. And we've got to ask ourselves, is this person, is he causing me to grow closer to God or is, it, is he or she pushing me away from God? Ooh, I feel that's a word for someone. I'm going to camp there for about 30 seconds because I feel like there's somebody who you got a relationship, and I'm talking about boyfriend-girlfriend relationship who's not pushing you closer to God. I'm going to hammer that one for a minute. I don't know who it is, but I'm telling you what, there's somebody that's here, and I feel it by the Spirit of the Lord. They are not drawing you closer to God. They are pushing you away from God. You better cut that thing right now. I don't know who that is. The Lord ain't showing me, but it's in this room, and I can sense it. You better grab onto it. I pray the Spirit of God will cause your heart to beat 100 miles a minute right now. Hmm. Like I said, this is where it gets difficult because we do have to assess things like relationships. And that person could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be a family member. It could be a close friend. It could be a boss. It could be someone that you look up to. Or even in the case of what we're reading today, someone who speaks in the name of God. Hey, how many of you know that not everything that bears the name of God is from God? Listen, I believe in the prophetic, okay? I operate in the prophetic. But not every time someone says to me, thus saith the Lord, is really, thus saith the Lord. And you may say, well, how do we know then what is or what isn't from God? Well, I'm glad you ask. <laughs> For starters, we need to know what God has already spoken. 
Church, I'm talking about us knowing his word because it's his word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Too many believers, they're following their own feelings. They're being led by their feelings. They're being led by their emotions and not being led by the spirit of God. And the spirit has already given us his word, which is that lamp to our feet, that light to our path. By the way, just a good teaching moment right here. A lamp to your feet means your current standing. You know where your current footing is, but the light to a path shows us where we're to go. And God will always show us where we currently are so that our foot is secure, but he'll also be that path showing us the direction that we're to go. And you'll never discover your destiny without being diligent in your time and and the word. Guys, if there's ever one thing that I could just say, man, if my church would get this and run with this, because I know I share so much with you and teachings and stuff, but if I could just get this in you, spend time in his word. Like, watch this. You can never substitute time spent with God. I don't care how much theological, I'll put my theological knowledge against any of you guys, all right? (laughs) Guess what? It's not about, like the Pharisees had good theological knowledge. It's not about, oh, well, I already know this. Oh, I've been going to church for 30 years. Well, good for you. So did the Pharisees. They were full of dead men's bones. We're called to have life and rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. Are you with me? Got to spend time in his word. We got to spend time in his presence. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all those other things will be added to you. You want to know why all those other things haven't been added to you? Because you've not seeked him first. Can I say that in a loving way? Because it's from a heart of love. I hope I'm communicating this well. But you've got to spend time with God, friends. You've got to spend time in his word. If not, man, your cup's going to be half empty all the time. And watch this. God doesn't even want your cup to be half full. He wants it to be overflowing. That's the reason he pours out on us. And we're supposed to live from the place of overflow. I learned this in ministry. I had a pastor say to this many years ago. He says, minister from the place of overflow. See, if I'm spending time with God... I, I, I'm I'm speaking to the mature for a minute. Some of y'all are going to be like, whoo, that's just too much. But I'm going to speak to the mature for a minute. You need to spend an hour with God. Could you not tarry for an hour? That's what Jesus said. You say, man, yo, that's heavy. Okay, start with 10 minutes. But at least start. Then go to 20. Then give it 40. And then jump over to 60 and give it an hour. Do it. Every day. Now, that's not condemnation. You say, man, this guy's like, no, it's not. I'm, call- I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. Are you with me? Can you hear pastor's heart for a minute? I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. I'm saying that God has good things in store for your life. I'm saying, look, you may not have done it. You may not have spent time in your Bible. It may have dust on its shelf back home. But I'm saying starting today, how about let's start a new day, church? How about from this day, we say, you know what? We do Sunday school. Let's do Monday school. Let's wake up tomorrow morning, get up a little bit earlier, spend time in his word, and then watch all of a sudden how, boom, there's a lamp under my feet. Ha, there's a light under my path. Then I know what I'm supposed to do because I'm following the spirit of God and the word of God. That's the living, breathing word of God that's within us that causes us to be able to discern. To come in to be able to to divide between joint and marrow like the scripture says. Then you'll know how to handle that business dealing there, business owner. Then you'll know how to handle with that relationship with your neighbor. Or that boyfriend or that girlfriend. Oh man, he's not good for me, right? Yeah, 
Because God's word instructs us in all these things. See, here's what the scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So how are you going to know truth if you don't know truth? Oh, that's true. Come on now. I ain't picking on Oprah. Oprah says, you know, oh, just speak your truth. Hey, there's only one truth, and it's not your truth. It's his truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You got, you, 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 got, you got to speak his truth. And it's whenever our lives come in alignment with his truth that we find freedom because you'll know the truth, and the truth will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. God's word gives us discernment. To know what is him, what's not him. See, if I don't know for myself what God says, then I'm inclined to believe what others say to me. And this is applicable on so many fronts. Like, for example, if I don't know who God says that I am, then I'm vulnerable to believe what others say about me. If I don't know what God says uh, in any given situation, then I'm Susceptible to just simply doing whatever I feel like doing in that moment. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So this man of God, he knew what God had spoken to him, right? But he allowed this old prophet to cause him to act in disobedience. And then in what seems like a crazy turn of events, this old prophet gets a real word from the Lord. And he prophesies to the man of God saying, that because of his disobedience, it's as if it says he would not be buried with his fathers. And sure enough, uh, as the man of God was leaving Bethel, he was attacked and he was killed by a lion. And the old prophet went and brought him back to Bethel and buried him. Now, this is a hard story to read um, because we don't want to believe that our disobedience has a consequence. But friends, disobedience always has a consequence. Let me say it again so that you can't say that your pastor didn't tell you. Disobedience always, underline, caps, highlight, always has a consequence. And you and I are not free to know nor choose what that consequence will be. Now I want us to compare and contrast two different parts of the stories right here if we would. Because remember, when we go back to the king, Jeroboam, that the king, he also disobeyed, right? Whenever he stretched his hand out uh, against the prophet of God and his hand dried up, but then he repented. That's the key. But then he repented and his hand was restored. Now, I know that the Bible isn't exhaustive in that it doesn't give every single detail about an event, but when the young prophet disobeys, and the old prophet prophesies about his disobedience. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that the young prophet repented. The king repented and was restored. The young prophet doesn't and receives his due penalty. Church, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And we see this quite literally in our story here today. And an accurate interpretation of the word death is misery. And there's a lot of people that, that are living miserable lives. They have miserable marriages, miserable jobs, 
They always feel miserable. By the way, this doesn't make you odd if you are any of the things that I just described right there. It just points out uh, what is true of each and every one of us in this place, and that is that you and I need a Savior. But here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with some good news this morning. God is merciful. He is gracious. He is abounding in love. He is willing to restore Understand, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. Listen to what his word says in Psalm 86 and verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. I, I want to just read that one more time. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to who? You can just go ahead and say me because if it's saying all that, you can make that personal there for a moment, right? <laughs> to me, to all who call upon him. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. See, somebody needs to hear that because you think, but man, I've messed up so many times. Like, like, do you know how many times, like, I've done and fill in the blank? Just because this is a real church that talks about real issues. Uh, do you know how many times I've looked at pornography, many of you are thinking? Do you know how many times that I've dipped my hand uh, into work and, and, and stolen a few things? Do you know how many times I've lied? Do you know how many times I've been divorced? Do you know how many abortions I've had? Do you know, do you know, do you know? And God says, yeah, I, I, I know. You think I don't know? But my, my mercies, they, they never end. They never end. They never come to an end. They are new every morning. Man, grab a hold of that truth because that's going to set somebody free. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Joel 2, 12 and 13. She has yet even now. Ah, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, thank you, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Church, this is who God is. He is gracious, he is loving, and he is a merciful God. God has already determined he would show himself merciful to those who look to him. That's why he says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Greek word sozos. That means complete, whole. That's what God desires of you and I. To be saved means to be to restored. It means to, to, to rescue. And it also means to be delivered from the penalties of judgment. See, if the book of Kings, 1 Kings teaches us anything, it's that those who disobeyed God faced a certain judgment and consequence, but those who turned to him, who repented of their sins and mistakes, God saved. He forgave and he restored. I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me if you would. I'm going to read you one last scripture. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Do this just for a moment. Close your eyes. 
so that there's no distractions. I just want you to hear my words. Like, I'm going to read them slow, and I just want you to just kind of let them be tattooed on the soul of your, uh, your being, if you will. Hold on to his words deep. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to Keep your eyes closed just for a morning. I, a minute. I just want to just ask this one simple question. Who's here this morning and you need God's mercy? I want you to know that you can have it. You can have it by turning to God and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You see, faith in the finished work of the cross means that we are credited with Jesus' righteousness. It's what causes us to be in right standing with God. And what we've got to all recognize is that we are all in need of a Savior because we can't save ourselves. But the good news is that we don't have to. Jesus already paid the price. And so I just want to ask, who is here that wants to receive the free, absolutely free, nothing you could do to ever earn it, the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. And you want to receive the forgiveness that comes through the shedding of his blood, the payment for our sin, the, the, the sin debt that each and every one of us owed. Jesus has already paid it. All you've got to do is surrender your heart to him Make him the Lord of your life. And then his mercy comes upon us. His grace is bestowed upon us. He pours out of his spirit within us and through us. And then we walk as sons and daughters. Hallelujah. I guess what I'm asking is who wants to be a follower of Jesus because you've not really been following him like you know about Jesus, but you've not really been following him. You've not been in relationship with him, but you want to be. The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. So now's the time that you make the choice. And by the way, just kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, oh, I'll decide later. That is making a choice. That's saying no. That's equivalent to saying no, just by the way. Because there's none of us that's promised another day. But today is the day of salvation. Are you hearing me? I said, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can be put in right standing with God. Have all of your sins forgiven. Never to be brought back up ever again. Like, like ever. The Bible says that they're thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. And so I just want to ask if that's you and you say, yes, pastor, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Would you put your hand up right now? Just put your hand up and I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Yes, yes. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Those of you that are watching online, if that's you, just you put your hand up. I don't care if you by yourself. You put your hand up, God sees your hand. Anyone else? 
right, you can put your hand down for just a moment. Those of you that just raised your hand, everyone else has got their head bowed and their eyes closed. Those of you that just raised your hand, look at me for just for a second. Watch this. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. Are you with me? I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. But I want you to take ownership of this word and this, uh, of these words. And, and the scripture says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we'll be forgiven. That means like everything in our past is gone. It will never, ever, ever, ever be brought up. Not by God. The devil may try to bring it up, but God will never bring it up. It's gone. It's done. It's a done deal. Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. And so I want to invite you right now, pray with me. Saints of God that have prayed this prayer, most of you that in this room that have prayed that prayer, join in with us, especially with those several people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus Christ, to say, I want to follow God with all of my heart. I want his mercy. We're going to pray this prayer, this prayer of surrender out loud together. So take ownership of these words. Pray it out loud. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross for my sin and the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank God? Yeah. Now listen to me. I'm going to give you a little bit of instruction, then I'm going to pray and dismiss you. Several of you raised your hand. Now listen, this is really important. Please do this. When you leave this auditorium, there is a, a, a pop-up banner sign that says, I have decided. And there's going to be someone that's standing there that has some information that they want to put in your hands. Really, really important. For you to take that. They won't keep you, but probably 30 seconds. They just want to put something in your hand. And also, there's something that I want to encourage you to do. You don't have to do it all today, but I put four videos on our website. And it's especially uh, good for those of you watching online. If you go to our website, which is destinychurchjacksonville.com, then do forward slash Jesus. There are four videos. Each one of them is about five minutes apiece. But they are some very important things that I need to share with you for those of you that just prayed that prayer. Because the scripture says this, that whenever the seed is sowed, that the enemy wants to come and try to steal that seed. Because there are some important next steps for you guys. So please, stop at that banner. Take whatever information they're going to put in your hand. But also... Go to our website, destinychurchjacksonville.com forward slash Jesus. We make it pretty easy, right? And you don't have to watch all four of them today. You can just watch one of them today and then maybe one the next day and the next day and the next day, okay? But church, I'm excited for what God's doing. Come on, man. I'm believing the day is going to come that we're going to see hundreds raise their hand and surrender to Christ. Amen. Let me just bless you, church. Father, I thank you for my church body. I thank you for your mercy that's on our life. May we go forth, shining forth the bright love of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, may we be that light, Lord God, that beacon of hope to the world. 
So I pray this over you, church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a wonderful day. In Jesus' name.